hit subscribe on your podcast player. We'd also love if you gave us a review. Now let's get back to building Ted. I mean Laverne and Shirley. No, seriously, it's R&D and with me, that's three. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 511 now of the Ron and Don Show. And yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, a lot of people have been reaching out, wanting to know if they could advertise. We don't have a lot of advertisers on our podcast, and that's for a reason. But if you feel like, if you feel like maybe there's something that you do, maybe in the area of construction, maybe HVAC, maybe insurance, maybe taxes, something like that, we are looking for two more advertisers right now because Ron and I take all the money from the podcast. We just use it to fuel our real estate business and to keep the podcast going. It's absolutely free. And all that we ask is that number one, you give us a good review. Number two, you download us to your favorite podcast player. And number three, if you know somebody out there that is looking for real estate agents, yeah, maybe suggest us. But once again, if you're thinking about advertising on our podcast, why don't you reach out? Ron, how can they reach out to us? Yeah, just send me an email, ron at ronanddon.com or don at ronanddon.com. Or you can put both on there and CC reply. Yeah, and we'll do a sit down and we'll just we'll make sure your phone rings and you're making money. And if not, like for instance, Les Schwab, their phone's ring. Mitch, their phone's ring. Ron and Don Real Estate, phone's ring. If it's not ringing, we'll either make it ring uh, or we'll kind of move on. Hey, coming up on episode 511, let's talk about this. Boomer Dads. Yeah, they are evidently driving real estate agents nuts. Also, Aaron Rodgers, he's about to go completely dark. Yeah, for days. We'll tell you by. Uh, we'll tell you why. Of course, that's the Green Bay Packers quarterback. And before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Ron, lots of high-paying jobs out there. You sent me the story, and evidently, there's not a lot of people to fill these jobs. I have shared the reason why I felt before on previous podcasts. What is going on here? I find this super fascinating, uh, especially as you think about, you know, our age group right now, we have a, like, I have a friend whose son is graduating high school this year. So like I'm around several people in my friend group whose kids are making the decision to go into college and figure out what my, my nieces are in college, et cetera. And so this, this article basically says, Hey, there are, if you wanted to make a six-figure income, pretty much, you can go straight out of high school and in pretty short order be making six figures in the trades. And so they actually profiled in this article, someone that works here in Seattle, and he was a, an apprentice for an iron worker. So like when the construction's happening, they would take these big uh, steel beams and a crane lifts them up, and then the guys have to attach them to other beams and drive screws in there, et cetera. And it was like, hey, the guy's starting out at 30-something dollars an hour. And you're off at 2.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, you're off at 2.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, full health benefits, 401k, profit, like, share, like the company match, full benefit package and you're starting in the $30 an hour. Once you're, you know, fully vested in the, in the company, you're making six figures. And so they, they give several examples like this. 
And they're saying that something like 90% of construction companies, at least in the Washington area, cannot find enough people to replenish their workforce because you have uh, people are aging out that have been in the trades for their professional career and they're now retiring and, you know, going on to that phase of their life. And there's not younger people coming in and there's not like back in the day, if your uncle was a, a pipe fitter, you were a pipe fitter. Your, I know your grandpa worked in a boiler room. You know, your son could, could get into that business. Yeah, and, my, my, he was a welder. And yeah. so like that just doesn't really happen anymore. So I, I'm trying to figure this out because I know there, there are several people that I know, and I won't name them specifically where it's like, why wouldn't you go either a take a gap year or B going to the trades? Cause Ever since I've met you, you've hated school, like watching a kid grow up. Like you'll see children of, of your friends. Some kids really like school and they're involved with all the activities and they play sports and they do well in class and they don't have any learning issues and they kind of breeze through and get good grades, go on to college. There are other kids that just, it's just not their fit. You can just tell from the time they're in second grade and they're just grinding through school. They're doing their best to, to get on, but you know, it's just not their bag. And then there's this pressure kicks in all of a sudden when they're a junior or senior. And there's a pressure, like, I got to go to college. And I, I always, or I step back, and when you read articles like this, it's like, if you're good with your hands, or if you want to learn a trade, or if you wanted to become an entrepreneur, um, do that. Like, find something that turns your switch on and do that. Um, and you can always go back to college. You could try doing a trade for two or three years. If you don't like it, then go back to college. But at least I, I don't get it. And especially when you look at these numbers, um, making six figures when you're 23, 24 years old, or even 20 years old is a pretty darn good living. Well, here's the thing that sucks too, is my son is good with his hands. My brother is very good with his hands. In fact, he's a construction engineer. I've had to learn to become good with my hands. And Ron's really good with his hands. Uh, when, so when is that going to happen where you're yeah, going to be good with so your I, hands? So, so, so I think any, any, anyone can do it. The problem is, and I'll give you an example, is my son signed up for shop class. It's one of his electives at school. He hasn't made anything. And the reason he hasn't made anything is they've determined that most of the tools in shop class are too dangerous. So they sit there and they read about doing things and they take tests about doing things, but they don't do the things. And I think about my brother, like when he was in high school, he took the family suburban to school one day. It disappeared for a week and it came back and the whole shop class took the 454 engine out of the Suburban. They put it back. There were lots of extra parts, but for some reason he started it and it still ran. Then he took a Scout 2, my dad's old Scout 2. After my father had left, he took the Scout 2. It didn't run. They towed it. They took it in his shop class and all his buddies jumped in on this thing. And the next thing you know, he had a, he has a, I'd, I'd love to have that Scout 2 today. So, so, so. The difficulty is when you get junior high, high school, none of this is being encouraged. It's all about your ACT, SAT, and they say those tests don't matter anymore. Not they do. Everybody can't be it's a all about programmer. It's all about getting straight A's and being in DECA and being in honors. And, and I did all that, that, that stuff when I was in school. And, and what it doesn't do is it doesn't encourage kids doing things, not only at school. So I was talking to my son about this last night. I'm like, what do you really want to do? Because band is only twice a week. He's like, well, I'd really like to become a better trumpet player. I said, do you really want to play the trumpet? Do you want to keep playing it? Do you see yourself playing the trumpet as an adult? Or is it just something that you did in junior high? Because a lot of kids will say, 
And you, and you talked to a lot of friends. Yeah, I used to play the oboe or I used to play the, whatever it is you played. And, 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 and so we talked about that. He, he wants to continue his diving career. Uh, he likes open water, water diving. So we've been talking about that. And then uh, there's some other things that he wants to do as well. All those things we're going to have to tap into outside the school system. Along with that, the fees are incredible to do some of the things that he wants to do. That has to be holding a lot of kids back, right? And then you think about it. So you go, you get this education. For a lot of kids that don't get scholarships, now not only do you have this education, you maybe can't get a job uh, or the job that you want or the job you thought you'd get. So now you have to go back to school and all you're doing is acquiring debt, acquiring debt, and acquiring more debt. Hey, I have, uh, I think about a couple of my nephews right now. One is alignment, right? Anytime there's an issue in this country when it comes to electricity, he's up on that line and he's currently making $85 an hour. He's 23 years old as alignment. I think about my other uh, nephew who is really great with his hands and he's a journeyman plumber right now. And he is making six figures and he's 26 years old. So, so they have kind of found their way but it wasn't easy. And for both those guys, for Jake and for Chance, it wasn't encouraged in school, Ron. It just wasn't. Yeah, so I just read this story, and, and I hope that people don't have a stigma about making this available to their young people and, and say, hey, if you don't want to go to college, if that's not your thing, that's okay as long as you have a, a plan B that's a viable plan. I think that should be encouraged more. I really do. See you on the other side of this. Hey, you guys, we just want to take a moment to thank everyone that got their Ron and Don sit-down mug and their Ron and Don coffee pot in 2022, and here we come in 2023. What I mean by that, whenever we sit down with somebody, we give them a camp mug that says Ron and Don. I, I sat down with Ron and Don, and then after we've done a transaction where maybe we bought a piece of real estate together, or we have sold a piece of real estate or invested in a piece of real estate, then around this time of year, we send them the coffee pot that says Ron and Don on it too. That way we can't be forgotten. That's correct. If you want to sit down with us and talk about your real estate journey, it's pretty simple. It takes 30 to 45 minutes. It's absolutely free to do it. And let's find out together if we would be a good team in 2023 to work toward whatever it is on your real estate quest. Yeah, there's two ways you can do this. They're both very easy. One is you can just email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com. Just say, hey, Ron, uh, I heard you guys talking about the sit down. What do I need to do? Second thing is you can go to ronanddonsitdown.com, poke around the website a little bit, read up a little bit on uh, what people are saying about us, what our reviews are, what uh, more information there is, and you can schedule a sit down right there. Just hit the schedule a sit down button. All right. We'll see you guys at the sit down. And believe me, when you see us in person, yeah, we're as scary as we sound. <laughs> now back to the show. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Aaron Rodgers, MVP a number of times, had a struggling season with the Green Bay Packers. A lot of people say it's because he didn't work with his young receivers. He didn't show up in the offseason. He's heading towards 40 years old. He's owed a lot of money in Green Bay, and they say to trade him, there have to be a team out there that thinks he's going to stick around for two or three years. Uh, and he's come out recently and said, hey, Green Bay will always be home. Now people are wondering if he's going to retire, but do you retire when there's $60 million on the line? I don't know. Someone like Aaron Rodgers may. He's about to go into a darkness retreat. I've been reading a lot about psychedelics, 
darkness, cold plunge. And Ron, he says he'll have some answers after this darkness retreat. He is just getting torn apart on sports radio and podcasts and everywhere else because a lot of those guys out there that uh, run these podcasts just feel like there should be a resurgence when it comes to manhood. There should be a resurgence of men are wolves. We're not sheep, even though Jesus called us to be sheep. Uh, what are your thoughts on on this darkness retreat and Aaron well, Rodgers? I, I think the the stuff that he's explored, I don't have a problem with any of it. The the if you if someone wants to go take ayahuasca and have a an ego death experience or do a retreat like this, I don't have a problem with it. It's the way that Aaron Rodgers does it that I think causes people grief. And what I mean by that is he's forged a relationship with one podcast guy who used to be in the NFL named Pat McAfee. That's the only guy he'll talk to. And so they have some sort of relationship worked out, an agreement, if you will, where he gets to come on and he never gets a tough question, never gets any pushback from Pat McAfee. He basically can come on there, make these declarations, and Pat just sort of in his crew like go along with it. Tom Brady does that, though, with Jim Gray. He does, no, it, he does the exact same podcast. A lot, a lot of athletes do that where – Sherman went on. He tried to do his own podcast. And what guys find out is when you sit in chair one, which is which is kind of what I have done in our radio career, when you sit in chair one and you have to frame and bring things in and out of break, it's a, on a radio show or a podcast, it's a lot harder because you're, you're sitting there and you're driving the conversation. It's a lot harder than if you're just a guest. So for a lot of these athletes that have been guests like Aaron Rodgers and, and Sherman, it, 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 it's they're, they're great guests, but all of a sudden when they have to sit and sit in chair one, like you do, or like I do, and you have to run the show, they're, they're finding out it's a lot harder. So Sherman has now reached out for a guy to be his co-host on a podcast too, to kind of, and, 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 and that's kind of what that show has turned into as well is Richard Sherman gets to say whatever he wants to say. I will say this, Richard Sherman has been in the news a lot more for the things that he's been saying on his podcast. Cause I think his podcast got better as a result of it. And so, and, and so is Tom Brady. And so is Aaron Rodgers. And the thing about these athletes is they discovered, I don't need NBC or CBS anymore. All I need is a, is, is a microphone and a beer and a couch. And uh, I, I can, I can broadcast things that aren't being filtered out by some other writer or some other broadcast. So I think uh, the problem that I have with the Aaron Rodgers thing is, if you're doing this self-discovery in a genuine way, you don't need to advertise it beforehand, record it while you're doing it, and then basically hold NFL teams at hostage and at bay while like the New York Jets want to talk to him now, but he needs to go into his retreat. And so he he's playing this game and he always hides behind, oh, what, me? What? Oh, who? what? He like, tries to hide behind this. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm just, man, I'm just a free thinker, man. I'm like, I'm just good. I can grow my hair out, and I'm going to listen to Bon Iver. And it's like, no, dude, like you are, it's all about him. Huh. It's all about him manipulating the situation. There's no way he's going to retire and be in the same Hall of Fame class as Tom Brady, because you can't be elected for five years. Both of them are first ballot Hall of Famers. There is no way in hell that he's going to play second fiddle to Tom Brady putting on a yellow jacket. He will ride a bench somewhere before he retires the same year <laughs> as Tom Brady, Brady retires. Yeah. So it's it's the disingenuous way that he's approaching this. If you just shut up, went into your retreat, came out of it and said, you know what? I just spent four days uh, on a retreat, really thinking about this. Here's what I'm going to do. 
It's the preamble in the churning of the waters. It's the yep. same thing that Russell Wilson does. I didn't think of it that it's way. It's the, good. It's the like, really good. hey, everybody, yep. I gave away $26 million to charity. No, you didn't. <laughs> Albertsons gave away $25 million, <laughs> yeah. you know, 850000 and the Russell Wilson Foundation chipped in a quarter and a ham sandwich. But then you put your name on it, and you stood behind the big check. So it's like it, it's that that's what bothers people yeah. is that they you're, you just churn it up yeah. for the sake of churning it up instead of just going in and like, like Rob Gronkowski, despite what you think of him and he's got this characterization that he plays a cartoon character, but like he plays it great. He just when he's making a decision about his career, though, he just makes the decision. I thought about it. Here's what I'm doing. He doesn't like yank everybody's chain and, you know, go on to six podcasts. And he's like, I retired. And then he'll say, I talked to Tom. I'm coming back out of retirement because I love Tom. There, there was no gamesmanship about it. He's just like, I'm a Hall of Fame tight end. I love this guy. This is what I'm doing. And people respect and love him for that. I've had enough of the Aaron Rodgers show. Um, and there, I think there's, when your entire family sort of, breaks off communication with you uh, you there something's going on there yeah i think like his brother doesn't talk to him he's estranged from everybody all of his exes are he's sort of estranged from them like he always has to be the smartest guy in the room the uh, nobody can question his motives like it, it's it's an annoying act to yeah me. and you're playing for the green bay meat packers do you think meat packers have like four days to just go sit in a room, turn out the lights, it's dark, pay like a grand an hour, and they feed you s- some food through a slot. <laughs> I think that's a real disconnect too, right? He's not a meat packer. We will see you on that side. Hey, it's Ron Don here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. Mitch, uh, do I need to have 20% down to buy a house right now? No, and that's actually one of the most common mistakes that I do here is people think and people have thought for a long time that 20% is the standby. 20% the first time you're buying a home is not normal at all. With with prices, you know, around a million dollars often for first-time home buyers, 20% is a lot of money to save and it is not necessary. You can put 3.5% down with an FHA loan, 5% down sometimes even less with a conventional and Mortgage insurance just isn't as bad as it used to be. I just did a loan that was a $900,000 home. The buyers put 10% down and they were gonna pay mortgage insurance of $100 a month for two years. Now that $2,400 feels like a lot maybe, but if you talk about how much their home is gonna grow in value over that time, it's nothing. All right, he's Mitch Weeks. Uh, Get in touch with him at Mitch.Loans. If you're a first-time buyer and your ears just perked up and go, I'd like to buy a house for 5% down, it's Mitch.Loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Boomer dads, why are they driving real estate agents like you uh, crazy? What's going on here? This is a funny article. Uh, (laughs) It talks about um, the scene opens with this real estate agent showing a millennial a townhouse. Millennial loves it. Uh, They spend like a couple hours there. They've been looking and looking and looking and looking, chewing up a lot of time. And so the millennial wants to buy it. And so the agent who knows the market well says, here's what's going to happen with a place like this. It's going to go 50 to 
75 over, so we need to escalate, da, 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 lays out the terms. Then the kid goes out, he calls his dad, and immediately the dad shoots it down because he's been doing, he's, a, he's an expert now. And so he uh, does some calculation on square footage or the width of the building or whatever, and they come back, write up an offer, waste everybody's time. The thing does exactly what the agent said it was going to do and escalates over. They miss out on it. And it's basically, um, how do you strategize with this when you have a third party that thinks they have expertise with something and maybe they do and maybe they don't, Yeah. but, um, they're going to be, I think for a lot of millennials, they won't make this decision without the approval of mom and dad. Yeah. I learned about this when I uh, sold cars in my twenties and then I became a car wholesaler and then I had a little uh, dealership over in Bellevue. I call dad or the boyfriend or the uncle or whatever. That is the deal killer. And I'm going to use the deal killer to be the deal maker. And so what I do is when a dad, for instance, walks on the lot, and if he's with his daughter, I've already met with the daughter. I've already gone over the car. I've already said, hey, take it to a mechanic, bring anybody by you want, whatever it is. We've had the car checked out. You should have it checked out too so you know what you're buying because once you drive it off the lot, you own it because I don't know if you take it down the street, put sand in the thing and bring it back and try to get a re- I don't know. And there are lemon laws and other things in, in Washington state where you have to be really careful if you're a dealer taking a car back because if you take a car back, then you're implying warranty and it means that you have to fix everything on that car every time it breaks. So people have to be really understand, really have to understand when they leave. So I would encourage them to bring someone back. And a lot of times for women, and I don't know how it would be now, maybe it would be different, but this would be in the 90s. A lot of times women would bring a dad, a brother, uh, uncle, a cousin. And so what I would do is I would walk them around the car and I'd say, hey, I'm going to show you some things with this car that you probably already know, right? So, and this is used when old Hondas, like 85 Hondas used to have CV joints. I'd say, we get under the car and I explained to them what was happening with the CV joints and this CV joint over here is ripped and that boot was ripped and that's why we had to replace that and you're going to see it. And then I would go and I would open up the, what, what happens, for instance, on a Nissan, a 22R engine. A lot of times those heads blow and the, the way that you know that a head is blown on a car on a nap uh, or a zip uh, 22R, you you will take off the oil cap and you'll look inside the oil cap and if there's a white residue in there, you can tell that the heads are cooked. Or on a VW Westphalia, sold a lot of those. Uh, A 1.9 versus a 2.1, I would explain the difference in the engine sizes, why you'd want an automatic or would you want the automatic versus the stick? And then I would, because they're pretty underpowered buses. Most of the buses you see on the road today have had new engines put in those that aren't Volkswagen engines. That's why they're still around. Uh, if I did some modifications to it, because I restored a lot of old Vita Westphalia buses, think about what they'd be worth today. And, and by the time I would get done walking the father around or the dad or the uncle, a lot of times they would opt to say, you know what, let's just go ahead and buy it. Or they would opt to not take it to a mechanic, but they would feel informed uh, and they would feel respected by me. So by showing them respect and giving them information, uh, I would say nine times out of 10, it always put the deal together. But if somebody came along and I ignored them, uh, that deal would always fall apart. So, so I think here in real estate, there's some similar things going on when a deal killer walks in who hasn't been a part of the deal. So I try to get the deal killer identified 
before we even sit down and write a contract because I want them in the room. I want them on the phone. I want them informed and they're going to be the deal maker for me. Well, and I, for me, I want to have all parties that are decision makers in as soon as possible. So if you're, if your parent is going to be part of the decision making process, have them attend the sit down. Let like let's let's get to know them from day one. If there's someone that's that needs to be involved, let's get them involved and not bring them in. You know, at the at the final hour where you said like they can do be a deal killer. So it's a it's a fun article though because you you read through these examples and it's like oh, it's 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 a different version of mansplaining. It's a person that feels like they have expertise in an area. Maybe they, they do. Maybe they maybe do. they do. Maybe they do. But a lot of times they don't. Like uh, we've sold properties for commercial real estate people and they would all talk about price per square foot, price per square foot, price per square. It's like, dude, we're not buying an office building. You're buying a house. You're talking about a commercial real estate agent where price per square foot is, is that's is, the, is, that's the Bible, which is important. And so, this, I see what you're saying. so and now we're going to buy a, a residential home in Seattle. That's not, and I got to get this price per square foot. It's like, dude, if you say price per square foot one more time, like that is not the driving factor for and, residential. Unless you're somewhere where it's just all spec homes that are the same homes, right? They're all right. cookie cutter, same homes. Or you get my point five, though. Like, like a it's total- a real estate professional yeah. in the commercial space and you just want to go stop. Yeah. Stop. Like if you go into a Toll Brothers neighborhood because your house is like the house is five houses down, then 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 you can drive it a little more with price per square foot, townhomes, things like that. So uh, your point well taken. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. Ron, if they need to get in touch with us, how do they do it? Ron at ronandon.com, or we have a website. You may have heard of it, ronanddon.com. Yeah, I'm Don at ronandon.com. Don O'Neill 34 on Instagram, Don O'Neill on Facebook. So give me a follow. Hey, if you need to sit down with us, ronandonsitdown.com. Uh, we're bringing up some really cool houses, you guys, this spring. And a lot of these cool houses need a lot of work. Some of these homes have a lot of stuff inside because people have been living in those homes for a long time. I was in a house the other day that had tunnels, right? Just because someone's been living there for a long time. So we can make the tunnels go away. We can make the stuff go away. And uh, we can get your house tuned up, bring it to market. And I'm telling you, this spring market's going to be really good, you guys. And according to Zillow here in the Seattle market, we have turned. And you're going to start seeing prices go back up again. Uh, this year. All right. Head up, shoulders back. We'll see you for episode 512. You're listening to the Ron and Don Show. All right on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. <laughs>